All right. Hey, guys, it's uh, it's Tuesday night. We normally do this on Wednesday night, but uh, Missouri opens the basketball season tomorrow night. So this is the 573 report on Tuesday night. Uh, we tweeted out a bunch of updates. So hopefully enough people got the memo that we're doing this a, a day early that some of you are going to hang out with us for a little bit in that window over there. Mitchell 40 in this window, Gabe DeArmond. Fancy new graphics. Uh, thanks to Paul Burkhart for those. Unfortunately for you guys, same hosts. Like, it, it, the show's not any better. It just looks a little cooler. Um, so, you know, same same deal. Um, but we're going to hang out here. We're going to talk a little. Uh, it's, it's so weird. This is the time of year, usually, Mitch, that, like, we're working. We're actually working, like, real people job hours, you know. Like, we're, we're working 10, 12 hours a day, and so much is going on, and, I guess kind of we still are, but we just spent a whole bunch of time on Zoom calls today. Yeah, that's true. There was uh, three Zoom, three different Zoom press conferences. Uh, so, so I guess it's like busy, but it's also weird because you know I'm I'm doing all of this from Louisville, Kentucky, not right. even having to be in Columbia. Uh, but yeah, you know, got some. I mean, you know, the football season changes every day, so we we had that we got that covered this week, and uh, obviously with the basketball season starting, looks like the first game is still a go as of now, so that's promising. Not a lot of programs can say the same. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, I guess you know the, the old uh, cover do use the old coaching cliche of taking it one day at a time yeah we'll uh we'll start by going backwards and and again want to invite you guys uh questions comments uh you know insults whatever you got to say like uh we're not picky if you say it and it's not vulgar we pretty much put it on on the screen so uh feel free fire away if we don't get to questions right away we will catch up to them throughout the show uh don't worry about that um you know so so feel free to let those questions stack up and and we'll get to them but first we'll we'll just kind of go back for those of you who maybe watch here but don't read every single thing we do first of all shame on you um you're terrible people (laughs) and we're gonna ban you from the show pretty soon but um i don't know a win on saturday night and uh, mitch i think our main takeaway was that was really kind of a tough game to watch but it doesn't matter because the only the only goal is to win and Missouri now should finish no worse than third in the SEC East this year yeah absolutely uh the defense played really well with the exception of one drive in in the fourth quarter after they had spent a lot of time on the field in the second half um the offense not so much it was a really ugly second half, but uh, like you said, it, it doesn't matter. You know, there, I think there was, I think 14 combined punts, seven for each team. So, uh, you know, not the most aesthetically pleasing football, but um, you know, I think at this point, Missouri has to be favored to go six and four, which yeah. uh, coming into the season, I most certainly didn't see. I think I, I picked them to be three and seven and said two wins was more likely than four. So I probably got screenshotted by Eli Drinkwitz. He said this past week that he's uh, he's saving those to expose our, our freezing cold takes. Well, I know that I picked them to win three. So he said the screenshots were two and eight. So that's not me. I'm safe. Uh, he, I did notice today in re-listening to his press conference when I was uh, putting the video up, he came very close to uh, to a Herm Edwards. Like he's, you know, he was, you play to win the game. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he pretty much said that, um, you know, yeah. and, and that's especially in this season, Hey, a win's a win. Um, I don't know about you. I felt like South Carolina kind of looked like they wanted to be almost anywhere else for about two and a half quarters. And then Luke Doty came in and it sparked him a little bit. And Missouri fans were, were a little nervous about that and all that. And I get that. But really, when you looked at it, the only success South Carolina had was when everybody was covered in the pass play. Missouri was in man defense and Luke Doty just took off like it wasn't even designed runs. It was just scrambles. That was all that worked for him all night. Yeah, I mean, the Missouri's run defense was great. That was probably my biggest takeaway. You know, Kevin Harris for South Carolina has had a really good season. He had like 270 yards and five touchdowns the week before. And that was Ole Miss, who has allowed everyone to run rampant over yeah. them. But still, um, you know, Missouri was out down a bunch of defensive linemen and held him to, I think, 50 yards on like 19 attempts or something like that. And yeah, South Carolina's best running game was, was the quarterback scrambles. And even, you know, at that point, like after that drive, it, it, 
Luke Doty and stuff, that offense wasn't a threat to cover the, you know, 99 yards in two and a half minutes it needed to win because they just couldn't throw downfield. So, yeah, back to your original point, like Drinkwood said today, I think his quote was, you know, everyone these days wants to turn it into a beauty contest and then, you know, second guess things even after a win or whatever. Like at the end of the day, if you win, if you can win a game, an SEC game with, you know, I think they played 52 scholarship players. Uh, that's you'll take that every time. Yeah, and uh, we're we're gonna kind of start with the comments here with these new graphics. I got to figure out the best place to put them, so we're just gonna put them up top there over our logo for the now. For now, and Case says Nick Bolton's probably a top five player in the SEC. That seemed like kind of a good place to start, uh, kind of wrapping up South Carolina. I mean, Nick Bolton's done a lot of things. I, that might have been the best I've seen him play. I mean, he was leave some tackles for somebody else right he, he was just everywhere yeah he was absolutely in on every play um you know i'm not gonna pretend to be familiar enough with every single other player in the sec to know where he ranks but non-quarterbacks like i mean i i don't know i'd feel like i'd have a hard time finding five more important players to their team you know Drinkwitz noted today he played every defensive snap and he played on the punt coverage unit so he played you know basically every snap he could uh, against South Carolina, 14 uh, tackles, two for loss. Uh, I think twice as many tackles as any other defensive player. He was in there on, I mean, really, like you said, just about every play he was in there. So, uh, yeah, he's a special player. Uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, I, the old staff, someone on the old staff told you, I think, before he had even played a game, if he's not as good as Kentrell Brothers, I'll be disappointed in us. And, and I think he might. I mean, like, I we were had this discussion the other night. I think he's better. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's better. And and some people seem to – some people are saying he's better than Sean Weatherspoon. I think that's recency bias. Um, but, you know, whatever. We're splitting hairs here. Uh, but I think that that comment has something to do with Rivals put out a list of the top ten players in the SEC today. I'm going to be honest. I didn't read it. I don't know who was on it. I just know <laughs> no, that I Nick did. Bolton I, isn't well, on it. Um, you know, and I think if you're doing a top ten list of players in the SEC – Football players, Nick Bolton's got to be probably on that list. Now, look, if you're just, hey, these are the top 10 players by stats and we fall in love with skill position, guys, uh, that's cool. I, I get that. But, I mean, I, you know, you could also do a top 10 list and probably eight of them would be Alabama players. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. plenty of different ways to do that. The, the only way <laughs> to make sure to get engagement and piss people off is to publish a list, which is part of the reason I didn't read it. So, you know, um, so then – they played South Carolina on Saturday. Everybody starts getting geared up for uh, for Arkansas, even to the point that I thought this was interesting. And I'm going to give Missouri a little bit of credit here because a couple weeks ago, you know, we got notification at what at, at about 11 a.m. Or, or at about 10:15 on Tuesday morning, like 45 minutes before Drinkwitz's press conference. Hey, press conferences moved back till five, whatever. Something came up, blah, blah. And it, it was a little frustrating. You know, I, we were kind of irritated by it. But later people said, look, we knew that, that the game might be in danger and we didn't want to send Eli out there to, to basically lie to you guys. Well, so the, the Arkansas media corps is talking to Sam Pittman all day yesterday. And, you know, he said, hey, our numbers are, are low. So I don't think Pittman was lying, but... I mean, they do the entire media day, the entire press conference, and like four and a half hours later, it comes out, hey, Arkansas can't play. You know, I mean, that's that, that's frustrating. You've wasted a good day of your life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, uh, Eli Drinkos told us today that Pittman called him yesterday morning, basically gave him a heads up like, hey, you know, we're really close and we think there's a chance there might be some more positive tests. You know, we'll see how this goes. And Drinkwood said basically, you know, at that point he, he can't let it, you know, it's nice to have a heads up, but he can't let it impact his day because, you know, maybe they do end up playing by about uh, four o'clock or I think he said maybe closer to five o'clock. Uh, he had gotten the call from the SEC. Um, so uh, he was talking a lot today about how he had to be well caffeinated to uh, stay up till about midnight last night game planning and get back in the office at about 5 a.m. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he wouldn't admit this, but luckily it is Vanderbilt that's next. So true. like it's not as stressful as like, you know, if it was, you know, I don't know. Georgia or something. But, is yeah. there is there a profession in the world that takes more pride in not sleeping than football coaches? Uh, if like, there is, I haven't run into them. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I'm proud of the fact that, like, almost every night I'm in bed by, like, 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock. I'm happy with that. Yeah. It makes my, my life good. I, if I was up till midnight and got up at 5, I'd, 
probably be pretty angry about it. I wouldn't be bragging about it to anybody, but yeah, that I mean, you do always hear every year. There's some coach somewhere who brags about that, you know, spending the night in his office or whatever, because right. he just had so much film to watch or game planning to do. And the basketball player who who sleeps in the gym because he can't go, yeah. he can't stop shooting long enough to go home, you know, and I don't like, <laughs> they, which they all live, they all live like 90 seconds from the area. And, and we have all proven that now, look, I get it. You can't, a player is different, but like with a football coach, you know, I got to think the days of being in the office at 2 a.m., like we can all do our jobs from home. We've all proven that in the last eight months. I mean, you can watch film at home and you can have meetings at home. I, I, football coaches are creatures of habit, though. So Yeah. Uh, so David was asking if there's any more explanation on the Vandy Arkansas switch. So what we don't really know is exactly why Arkansas canceled. We don't know if it's a position number, if they were just under the 53, whatever. Now, Arkansas does have, like, they they do not have a game scheduled on the 12th or the 19th right now. They've only got two games left to play. So, theoretically, this is doable. Like, I, I know I was talking to somebody, and a big reason the switch is made, a big reason Missouri's playing Vanderbilt this weekend is Missouri does not have room. Missouri has to play this weekend or they just lose a game. And so, I, you know, I, I saw some some remarks that, that Mark Stoops isn't happy with how the SEC's done things. I give the SEC a ton of credit. They're finding ways to get – I mean, if the goal is to get games in, and again, if you think they shouldn't be playing, that's another conversation. But if the goal is to get games in, I'm pretty impressed with how they've done it and with the willingness to, of most coaches to accept it. I mean – I haven't really heard Stoops complain publicly, but le- nobody in this league has gone Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. No, I mean, they've clearly done a pretty good job of getting all the coaches on board. I mean, yeah, you know, Drinkwood's had some grumbling about some protocols earlier this year, and Stoops had some frustration. But, like, uh, that's always going to happen. For one, you've got 14 teams to, you know, when, when coaches – yeah, and when coaches lose games, they, you know, they, they especially when they had to deviate from their plan, they're not happy. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about a sport that usually, I mean, Mizzou just announced a a non-conference game for like 2034. So usually that's how the schedule works. And, and we're making, you know, you're, you're getting them to, you know, change opponents five, six days out. And, uh, and, and, you know, basically saying going forward, we're going to just revisit the schedule every Monday Uh, that, you know, I, I I give the SEC credit for, uh, for getting that done. And, and yeah, like, I think, you know, circling back to to Davis question, um, you know, I, I don't know if we don't know exactly, like you said, what's Arkansas's issue was, or even if they were under the the threshold but i think the sec just wanted to avoid a situation where you know you get to wednesday or thursday and that game gets called off and then it's too late to to swap around and then missouri loses so maybe this yeah maybe this wasn't even arkansas saying we can't play maybe it was the sec saying in case you can't play let's move vandy up because tennessee has openings arkansas has openings we can get those games in later we can't get uh, you know if we get to thursday and you can't play missouri screwed yeah, that was more my impression. Which is incredible because all I've heard is for like maybe I read too many message boards, but I thought the SEC hated Missouri and, and did everything it could <laughs> to to screw them over. But I don't know. I might be uh, might be reading too many message board comments. So, um, but like you said, we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down Vanderbilt because. I, they've been a little bit better, actually, I think, than some people thought in that they competed with A&M. They pushed Kentucky a little bit. They led Florida for most of the first half. But I I had to – I almost had to shut my video off so I didn't laugh when Eli Drinkwitz was talking about really well-coached team with a ton of talent. And, and at one point he said, I know their record's probably not what they wanted to be. I, I mean – I'm going to guess they'd rather have anything than 0-7. I'm going to guess their record is the exact opposite of what they want it to be. And then he said, I I think COVID's a lot to blame for that. Eh, Maybe, but, like, they're just kind of not very good. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's just kind of a dearth of talent there. Yeah, I mean, like, like you know, obviously there's no game this season where it's like a, you know, do or die, you don't win this and you're fired type of deal. But it would be pretty bad for, uh, for you know, Missouri to, to have gotten some of the wins they got this year and lose to Vanderbilt, especially because that was probably the single biggest result that contributed to the coaching search last right. season. I was going to say, all that said, 
Missouri did lose to Vanderbilt last year, and Vanderbilt yeah. was not good. I think they were better than this, and I think Missouri yeah. probably wasn't. Although Missouri at the time was coming off beating Ole Miss and was a top twenty-five team, like it's a, that was one of the most stunning results. I've, I've covered this team for seventeen years now, and that was one of the most stunning things. I I couldn't believe that game. It was stunning in in the sense of you know relative to pre pre uh, sorry pregame expe- expectations, but it wasn't stunning watching the game. Vanderbilt just beat them. Oh, like yeah. it wasn't like a fluky game at all. I think Mizzou even had won the turnover margin. They had like a pick to get down to that. They scored off of, you know, one play later or something like that. Like Vanderbilt was far and away the better team on that day, which was just yeah. wild. That was a brutal offensive day. Uh, real quick, before we get to any of the uh, other questions and stuff, I do want to make sure to point you guys uh, holiday shopping coming up. You don't want to leave the house uh, and and deal with 8 million people at the store. Go to 573tees.com, 573tees.com. They present this show every week. They've uh, helped us out a lot, sponsored a lot of our video coverage and and some stuff over the the last year. And so we want to make sure to return the favor and make sure to send you guys to their website. They've got a lot of great stuff. If you go to the show page on our site uh, and and go through the link there, you can get a 10% discount. I've got a few shirts from them uh and and i've pointed a few friends their direction and i know uh you know hey everybody needs a, a good t-shirt like if you if you're not in columbia anymore and you want some columbia stuff or if some of your family went to mizzou but has since moved away uh make sure to grab some stuff they got cardinal stuff royal stuff i, I think there's some blue stuff on there uh chief shirts so check it all out 573tees.com wanted to make sure to pay some bills here uh during the show and then uh then get back we, we've actually got a lot of basketball questions so i see all those uh i mean i'm gonna see if we've got any uh any wait we've we've got a comment from another room in the 40 household so uh okay so this is i actually kind of asked or uh, wrote about this on monday it, it when we thought they were playing arkansas that I thought maybe the winner of the SEC coach of the year or the winner of that game would be the SEC coach of the year. I mean, if, if Drinkwitz gets to six and four, you got to think about it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder, you know, a lot of times, like, I feel like it's hard to get past, like, you know, Arkansas was so shockingly their, their wins were kind of shocking upsets earlier right. in the season. And everyone like really jumped on board. Um, I want, you know, sometimes that might be hard to overcome, but like if, you know, I, I don't know. I think the shines weren't off them a tad. If they finish like three and seven and Missouri finishes six and four, I mean, both teams are, you know, a few games better than you pick preseason, but uh, I feel like, you know, obviously finishing, uh, finishing three games ahead would, would give Eli Drinkwitz an edge. I don't know. I mean, they seem like, I mean, other than Nick Saban, who probably should win the award, but won't because he's, you you know, people right. like to give it to the biggest upset of a coach. Uh, I, I think they're probably the two primary contenders for sure. I mean, I've got an issue with three and seven being coach of the year. It, it yeah, would be same. a good job, you know, yeah. but now look, if A&M goes nine and one, I guess I don't have a oh, problem yeah, with Jimbo true. Fisher. I kind of forgot about them. I always forget about them. You know, know. And, and I don't know when voting for that stuff is done. Like if Florida goes and wins the SEC title and beats Alabama, I'm, I'm fine with Dan Mullen getting it. Uh, he's clearly going to win the SEC Humanitarian of the Year Award. <laughs> Very well liked. <laughs> Excellent guy. Uh, yeah. He's also winning the Golden Gloves Award in the SEC. So he's just going to rack up all the hardware. But no, if Mizzou gets to six and four, like, there's definitely an argument to be made for Eli Drinkwitz, especially because I think Missouri has dealt with as much COVID stuff as probably anybody in the league, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Everyone's dealt with it at some point, but like, you know, you look at Missouri was already, you know, kind of the first team to run out of games and have, have to have basically a third game changed. And then, you know, they had to deal with the, uh, the hurricane issues and having that game moved to Columbia for the LSU, which maybe that helped, but still kind of a late change. They were shorthanded in that game. Like they've had a lot to deal with. So um, certainly everyone has, but yeah, I certainly, I think, I don't think you'd find a team that's uh, had to get more creative with their roster for sure. Case says that a Mizzou coach needs to literally win the sec before they'd get the recognition they deserve. I mean, here's what I'd say to that case. Like find me the season in the sec that a Missouri coach you know, probably deserved that. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'll go back and look here if Gary Pinkle won the award in 2013 or 2014. I, I would guess he probably did, but I don't really remember. But other than that, like, 
what season has a Missouri coach had that he should win the coach of the year? Kim Anderson ain't winning no conference awards. Uh, Barry Odom wasn't winning any. Uh, you know, Conzo Martin hadn't lit any houses on fire in the last three years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't I think Conzo might have even. Well, I don't see know. if Gary Pinkle won the SEC Coach of the Year. Yeah, Conzo might have even won it that his first year. I don't remember. I know he was in the discussion, but yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Oh, 2013 SEC Coach of the Year was Gus Malzahn. Like that's, it, they went from 0 and 8 in the league to a national title. So yeah, that's okay. You can live with that. 2014 Coach of the Year Gary Pinkle didn't win the SEC. Won the Coach of the Year. Case, uh, appreciate the uh, the passion, but sorry, we had to prove you wrong there real quick. Uh, <laughs> it happens. You know, I, I generally, I, I think those awards, you can vote on those awards two ways. Like, if you win the league, I'm fine with you getting coach of the year. You did the best job. You literally won the league. I don't care if you were supposed to, but I think more people tend to vote who did we think was going to be terrible and turned out to be better than terrible. <laughs> Yeah, because apparently that's coaching somehow. I don't know. I think it's more has more to do with the with the perception, but uh, okay. Whatever. This is actually my favorite uh, comment we've ever gotten here. That John Rothstein takes more pride in not sleeping than college football <laughs> coaches. I I don't know that he takes more pride in not sleeping. He just takes pride in tweeting inane crap every morning at 6 a.m every single day yes that's the thing every day same things and like look i get up early i'm i'm up by 5 5 30 almost every morning and so i'll be sitting there drinking coffee and scrolling through twitter i don't even have to look at my clock i know it's six o'clock because i've got six straight john rothstein tweets and literally nothing else on my timeline we could by the way to talk for quite some time about how your sleeping habits are so opposite of any other sports writer who's ever lived um yeah, and they didn't used to be this way. Cause like I used to, when my kids were were younger, I would start work at like nine o'clock at night, and I would stay up till one or two, and then I would get up with them at eight or nine. My wife would go into work at four a.m. She worked a morning show, but then, like once they went to school, all of a sudden I discovered, well, hey, I can do work during the day, <laughs> right? And I can go to bed at a regular person time. But also, and like your parents will vouch for this, when your children swim. You go to bed early because you get up at 4.45 to drive them 20 minutes across town to practice every morning. That's true. That's true. And once you do that for like seven years, it's kind of hard to break that habit, you know, of just that's that's the hours. I Like every now and then, like tomorrow night, I'll stay up a little later. I got to cover a basketball game. So I promise not to be sleeping during Conzo Martin's (laughs) Zoom call. On press row. Now, I do not promise to not be sleeping in the second half of Missouri Oral Roberts, but I will not yeah, sleep there's, through the call. I think there's a decent chance you have time to get your uh, story written and catch a little nap before the conference starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a decent shot. Uh, True Divinity's back. He said investment bankers only sleep 30 minutes a night. I don't think I know an investment banker. The only bankers yeah, I know are like the, I have no idea. the people that shoot the tube out to me with my deposit slip. But <laughs> I don't know if those – more bank tellers than uh, than bankers. So we've got a lot of basketball questions. Uh, let, we'll start rolling through some. Mitch Sharp uh, wants to know the over-under on how many games the basketball team plays this year. So they were scheduled – at one point for 26, we're kind of thinking that looks more like 24, right? I, I mean, I know Conzo talked a little bit about the Mohegan Sun. He didn't really commit one way or the other. Yeah, I asked him about that today, and he basically said it's all up in the air right now. Um, you know, Oregon, who was one of the two teams Missouri was supposed to play, and kind of the team it was most closely working with to get into an event, they dropped out. He said the uh, the the Mohegan Sun people have approached him with like six different other teams, but basically they're still exploring whether that's going to be worth it, whether it's going to all happen. Um, very much up in the air. So, yeah, I think I mean I don't know if any number I give you for an over under is going to be you know extremely speculative but like every team i think is going to have some cancellations we we pretty much know that at this point quite a few are already announcing them um i'm guessing like i don't know i'm maybe optimistically guessing each team won't have to shut down for more than like one or two one little two week period so let's say missouri has to yeah, so let's say Missouri sh- shuts down for one, and then they have like a couple other games impacted by their opponents not being able to play. They make up one or two on the back end. I'll say 
20.5 as my over under. All right. I think I said it at like 17 and a half. I was asked that in the mailbag last week, and that's when I thought they were playing 26. Um, but I actually saw, and, and I don't, again, I don't, I'm not trying to turn this into a discussion of what should be and what we should be doing and how much we should be shutting down. But I saw a lot of people tweeting a story tonight that saying the CDC is now uh, likely to reduce quarantine time saying, you know, it, quarantine time rather than being 14 days is more seven to 10 days. And also, if you continue to test negative, like you you don't need to quarantine. Um, so, look, if that happens, then the SEC can change their rules. College basketball can change its rules. And maybe a positive test only shuts your program down for one week rather than two weeks, which is really four games. So that, that could be a, a huge deal. Um, for college basketball, but look, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I saw a list from, believe it or not, John Rothstein this morning, about six Oh five AM. I think, I think, uh, it, the Ivy league was just listed as one team in there. Cause the entire conference isn't playing. I don't know how many teams are in that league, but I'm guessing it's eight to 10. And if that's true, there are about 40 teams right now that have paused activity. And now that's, I don't know, 12% of the country, I think. Um, and, and look, maybe, I don't know if you get it now. Great. Maybe you're good for the season, but um, I mean, that's a lot of teams. Three, three of the 14 teams in the sec can't play right now. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. And I also, you know, one of the issues too is, yeah, you say, you know, I think there, I mean, there is a sense and there has been obviously kind of this whole time, but among, you know, I think maybe some, some people around teams that, Maybe it would be good if people have already had it because then they're not, uh, you know, eligible to be contact traced. But we're seeing a lot of these shutdowns right now. I think we're seeing it's due to like one player testing positive or one coach or, you know, one or two people where and all those people who are co close contacts, they can still be close contacts again if they don't right. test positive. So, and, yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. And again, like this is this is why college sports has always been so hard, because it's not like these 14 kids are just hanging out with each other and their coaches all day long, right? So let's say, and look at, just because their names, you know, let's say Xavier Pinson, uh, you know, catches it from uh, hanging out with his girlfriend or something. And so Missouri has to shut down for a week. Well, nobody else got it, but they were all around Pinson. Well, then, you know, hey, they get out of quarantine, everything's good, and, uh, you know, uh, Kobe Brown goes to a party and he gets it from, you know, so that's how it, that's how it happens there. Yeah. Just because like my son had it and neither my wife or I ever did. So, you know, we kind of still had to be that careful for three months. So who knows? Uh, it, it's going to be weird. Games are going to be missed all that. But, uh, case says that Ken Palm has Mizzou at 15 and 10 or 14 and 11, nine and nine in the league. Is that good enough to get in? And, I, like, I don't even know if you can say what's good enough to get in this year. Like, we don't know what this thing's going to look like. They may at some point just say, yeah, everybody gets in. I, I mean, conference tournaments are the start of the NCAA tournament. Like, in a normal year, 15 and 10, which would equate probably to more like, uh, you know, 19 and 11, 9 and 9 in the league, probably gets you in, but not for sure. I mean, that's that's where Missouri lives is kind of on that. Yeah, that that would probably depend on which games, how good the SEC was, and and what the bubble looks like. Yeah, that's basically the bottom line. Is we have no idea if you know these records, what the you know how that's going to compare to other teams because they're all going to play different numbers of games, right. certainly than we've seen in the past, and also than each other. So yeah, I mean, like uh, honestly, and the the committee even I kind of already came out and said like, yeah, we're not going to use the normal metrics. It's going to be like super subjective so no i don't i have no way of knowing like it it you know I, i'm sure the quote-unquote signature victories will loom large this right. year um i'm sure conference record will be relatively important but i mean who well, knows? And, and i've talked to a, a number of people around this thing that still don't know exactly why they didn't just go to conference only games um i i think and look start start early right start december 10th and play conference-only games, build in three off weeks to make up games, and this thing's actually going to happen. Um, but, we, I mean, like Wichita State flew to South Dakota and then test had somebody test positive there and came back home. Um, 
you're sending all these teams all over the country for, and the NCAA specifically said, or the tournament committee or whoever said, we want data points for tournament selection. No, it's, we don't have to do that this year, right? I mean, just it, like every other sport has managed to figure out, baseball let a whole bunch of teams in. The NFL's adding one playoff team, maybe two. Uh, the NBA did a bubble. Only college football and college basketball think, well, pandemic like no this is how we do it we're gonna keep doing it this way yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous i mean like you know we were talking before the 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 conference schedule came out like there's no way they're just gonna do this the exact same they've always done it and hope it's okay right i mean like if you're doing that you're just basically saying yeah we're okay if you miss a bunch of games like you know hopefully you played 13 and you're eligible for the tournament the sec's Um, going like you know this isn't football is it yeah we're good yeah. And also like, yeah, you talk about like these, these multi-team events, like, you know, the, the, the talk about originally, I feel like, you know, where, where this made sense was like, okay, yeah, let's get like some geographically close teams together and they can knock out like, I don't know, six games each because like they all Oregon, play each other Missouri, like once or twice. Boston College. And in Connecticut. Yeah. Everyone's going to Connecticut and South Dakota. It makes zero sense. I don't, I don't understand it at all. By the way, like my son lives in South Dakota. It literally leads the country in per capita deaths and hospitalizations right now. Let's go have a damn tournament there. Come on. Yeah. Uh, we like, I'll say this, this whole thing has actually been really good for podcasts and, and people who do what we do because like just the ridiculousness and how easy it is to attack some of the decisions they've made it make for excellent content so that's uh, true <laughs> all right let's see i know we I'm, I'm trying to catch up here i know that we have uh basketball questions but we're just going to kind of bounce back and forth because it's better to talk about what you guys want to talk about i hope the sec would prioritize arkansas over georgia um I, I think it depends. I think on that's in terms of games Missouri games plays for Missouri, right? right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think it just depends on. I mean, Arkansas has two open weeks, so by prioritize, if you want that one played first to make sure you get it played, I, maybe. I don't. I don't know if other than the Missouri game, I don't think Georgia's missed a game. Um, I don't. I think they have. They have not. Yeah, so they have December twelfth and nineteenth open. I, I think their goal is clearly to play all of them. I mean, and I think we're going to know by, well, I was going to say we'll know by next Monday, which one of those games is scheduled. Because the other thing that's in play here is that one of those games happens on December 5th and the Mississippi state game gets moved. You know, this is a giant jigsaw puzzle right now. Like Tennessee had no issues this week, but their game got moved because it needed to get moved. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's a hundred percent. Just get to Monday and, tell us who they're playing like yeah just because mississippi state's the team on the schedule next monday does not mean that's who they're playing next week or sorry on uh i guess it'd be december 5th is not who missouri's going to be playing on that date right right so uh i'm just kind of going through these in order now i don't think the sec hates missouri it's sec fan bases and media that despise missouri for the two east titles they won all right actually i'm gonna break some bad news here i i don't think other fan bases hate missouri truly I don't think other fan bases really think about Missouri. You want them to hate you. Like, yes, they hated you in 2013 and 14 because you came into their blessed league and won it when you weren't supposed to. But the last five years, the problem has simply been that people don't really think about Missouri. And so that's what you want Eli Drinkwitz and Conzo Martin to do is to make them hate you, right? I mean, I said, I remember saying in like 2006, Missouri knew it was getting close because Nebraska suddenly hated Missouri. Nebraska spent the first 30 years of my life giving zero Fs about Missouri because, like, Missouri literally <laughs> never beat them. So when they hate you, that's good. Um, it, yeah. Much better than ignoring you. I don't know. I, I I mean, I certainly don't think the SEC media despises Missouri for two uh, division titles six and seven years ago. No. The, the SEC media despises Tennessee, I think. Uh, yeah except the tennessee media the tennessee media often loves tennessee but the rest of it doesn't um all right is mitchell smith a d1 talent yeah i mean he's a division one scholarship player uh, and, and like he look he by definition yeah he's had some moments and like is he a star on a team no uh he's a role player but he's gotten much better over three and a half years 
Yeah. You're never going to get 13 stars on the same team. I mean, that's why, you know, we see a lot of players move on because they think they're going to come in and play right away. And instead they, you know, are a freshman. They start out being the 10th or 11th guy. Like you, you have to have guys like that. So uh, props to Mitchell Smith for sticking it out. I think he's the last Kim Anderson era player on the team. Wow. And could actually come back next year if he wanted to, to prolong. Theoretically. Wow. Yeah. That would be a long career. Um, I, Follow word wants to know what's going on with football recruit, Mitch. I don't know if that's a particular <laughs> football, football recruit? recruit or probably football recruiting. Probably. Um, and I don't. I mean, I don't know. Sean Williams would be the man to answer that. Like, I we we just kind of we'll let him Sean let us know when when there's someone we need to follow. Uh, I mean, basically, football recruiting's toned down a little bit right now because a Missouri filled up the vast majority of its class before the season and right. B they've got so much other stuff to worry about right now. And C football recruits aren't going to be allowed to visit campus until 2027. So, um, that's true. <laughs> uh, true says all I have to say is God bless the NCAA tournament selection committee this year. I, it'll be interesting, right? I, I mean, every year it, because I remember when they expanded the the tournament, you know, they said, "Hey, well, we're always complaining about who who's getting screwed, so let's put four more spots in, and then that's going to fix all that, right?" Nobody ever complains about getting left out now. That's why I laugh about going to an eighteen playoff. Well, that'll just solve everything. Well, no, it won't. Then number nine's going to be mad. I mean, if you have a field that you select on kind of random, really qualifications. Unless you let everyone in, someone's you could literally have a 338 NCAA team tournament, and the other 12 teams would be like, "Well, we're better than Prairie View A&M. We should be in." <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no way you have 338 eligible teams every year. Every year you've got at least 50 that didn't make the cut for some reason or got in trouble. I'm sure that will only grow. But I'm saying if you did go to 338, number 339 yes. would be angry. Uh, yes, yes, yes. You're you're definitely right. But it is going to be fun. And like, I'm actually looking. Did you look at the? Did you watch the playoff rankings tonight? No, not or at do all. Do you even actually, know what I've they been, are? Uh, work, work. I don't. I've literally. I, I have no idea. I've been writing a story since we got off Zooms about two hours ago. Okay, so I, I I'm going to look them up because uh, what I was interested in is uh, is you know, when the playoff picks its four teams, it's going to be phenomenal because you're going to be talking about like whether seven and oh, Ohio state is more deserving than like nine and two Florida. Right. Um, I, I mean, the way that these teams are going to be compared is, is kind of crazy. So it's one Alabama two Notre Dame, three Clemson four Ohio state, Five A and M, six Florida, seven Cincinnati, eight Northwestern, which I think is about what we expect until BYU is down at fourteen. So BYU basically is screwed. they have no chance. Yeah, they need they need to schedule some Pac twelve teams. Or BYU something. BYU is behind Iowa State. Ouch. That's uh, yeah. They're also three spots behind Oklahoma. Um. 3-0 and Oregon checking in at 15. I mean, but that's the thing. They're 3-0. and They're only going to play four more right. games. I mean, how do you really know? And what if one of them gets canceled? It's it's going to be it's going to be fun because people are going to be so pissed off about it. Like, they started the season going, yeah, just play games. We'll be fine. We understand. And nobody's <laughs> going to understand. Oh, that lasted zero minutes. I mean, like, you know, we talked about on here before that first weekend when Kansas State lost and Iowa State lost, there were fans on both websites calling for the firing of their very, like, successful head coaches. Yeah. It's, you know, there's been zero perspective, which is great. I mean, like, it's, you know, sports wouldn't be what it was if it wasn't for the uber passionate fans. So, right. you know, have at it. But, yeah, it's going to be a mess, and, and that's fine. Just, you know, whatever. Well, and my favorite part is, like, the coaches and administrators completely losing perspective. Like, fans fans don't have oh, yeah. perspective, and that's not an insult. That's why you're fans. I get it. I didn't have very much perspective when I was watching David Carr throw for 627 yards on Sunday night. But, you know, um, <laughs> so I get it. Uh, so follow word says, if Mizzou beats Vandy, would they be right there in the top 25? In the coaches' poll, I think so. I mean, they were – three spots out last week. Now I don't think beating Vandy like does that much, but somebody, 
two teams, three teams toward the bottom of the top 25 are going to lose. And so they will just move up because the people who vote for these things don't watch any games. They just look at, well, had them 28 last week and they won and 22, 23 and 25 lost. So we're going to move them up. Um, yeah. It'd be kind of weird to be four and three and be in the top 25, but they'd have a chance. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Don't think Vandy really moves the needle. It just kind of depends what other teams around him do. Yeah, and I, I actually looked. They didn't get any points in the uh, AP poll. So clearly, media idiots, coaches, geniuses. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, until the media has them higher than coaches, idiots. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, not too excited about basketball. I don't know what happened, and I, I mean, what happened is they've been completely irrelevant for like six of the last seven years that's that's what happened and you can't go to games they're going to be difficult to find um you're going to need the espn app to watch a lot of these games um but yeah it's it's not hard to figure out they just haven't been any good for a while yeah and they you know it's not like there was like a splashy off-season addition to i mean like there's reason to believe maybe they could be good but you know if you were paying attention before i don't think there's any anyone that or anything that changed during the offseason that's really going to pull you in now did anybody ask Hanzo on the zoom today like you should try to be better and then people would be more <laughs> excited did anybody a, suggest that uh, i mean a few people asked like you know what i think one person at least asked like what 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 is the goal for the season right and i think the answer was something along the lines of well there, there was that one then I think Mark Smith did say win the SEC, which is a lofty goal, but right. admirable, I suppose. And then there was a, a good answer. Someone asked, like, what do you what do you anticipate will be like a uh, a big difference in the offense from last season? And Conzo was like, hopefully we make more shots. Yeah, he, he laughed. I liked that. That was a good answer. Uh, yeah. Stuart West wants to know if Ryan Walters will get a shot at a head coaching job this offseason. Maybe. Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, like, I don't know. Part of me thinks that maybe the coaching market, the coaching carousel isn't as full as usual. There may not be as many openings. Um, you know, there's still going to be a few, but I don't think as many places will move on from coaches. But I don't know. I mean, like, I've always thought he has, you know, kind of the makings of a future head coach. You can kind of see him. I don't know. Uh, this is maybe me, you know, interpreting more than like no one's told me this, but I know we've talked about it. Like, you can almost see him auditioning this year and in, in mm-hmm. media and, uh, you know, interacting. And I mean, he already had an interview with uh, Colorado last year. Granted, that's his alma mater, but he's going to be on people's radars. So I think actually I predicted at one point that uh, he would at least be in the running to or get an interview uh, if Billy Napier moves on from Louisiana because Maggard down there is a Mizzou guy and we'll know him. Right. And that's what we always forget about. It's not just, okay. South Carolina is open and Vandy's open. Well, what if Vandy hires Will Healy? Now Charlotte's open, right. you know, or like you said, what if Billy Napier gets a job? Now Louisiana's open. So it's kind of that domino effect where, no, he's not going to get a power five job this year. But but if that right group of five job comes open, you know, um, that's certainly a possibility. Um, follow word also wants us to not talk about basketball until they start winning games and competing. I mean, like, you know, look. If we could only talk about teams that won a whole lot of games, like, I don't know what the hell we'd do with ourselves most times. I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be, I mean, that'd be tough for us to continue to earn money. So I'm going to have to say (laughs) no. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and keep talking about them. Like, you don't have to listen, but we appreciate that you're here and you are listening. Yeah. Uh, For sure. Was the LSU game the ceiling offensively and not the floor as many of us had hoped? Haven't seen many explosive plays. Well, first of all, like, you could not have thought that game was the floor offensively. I mean, that was right. 40. Yeah. The first, the two games before it were, were worse. Yeah. And I understand Bo Pelini's defense is pretty poor, but it was still 44 points and 500 yards. But I do think people made the mistake of thinking, Oh, Hey, this is Connor Bazelak's first start. And he threw for 427 yards or whatever. It's just going to get better from here. And progression is not linear. There are going to be games like Saturday night when he struggles, and frankly, like, Eli Drinkwitz, I thought, was was pretty hard on him in the postgame press conference. Oh, he's super hard on him. He basically said, he's basically said, I don't, I don't have any comment on his performance till I watch the film. Well, except he made a terrible decision here, and that was one really terrible throw he had. Right. <laughs> he was, I mean, he didn't kind of pull punches. He softened on that a little bit today. He kind of, 
he he took more of the blame on himself for the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean, like first of all, like you, you said, you know, he was he's a redshirt freshman. That was his first career start. Like he's gonna have some ups and downs. Secondly, and we were even saying this at the time, and I, you know, again, I can understand why you were excited about that win but like LSU has made a lot of teams look way better a lot of offenses look way better than they really are this season their defense is awful it is terrible yeah. so oh you know and yeah, the last, I mean the last few it, games have been a little I'm, bit I'm of regression to the mean yeah, yeah I'm not saying the LSU game was the ceiling necessarily like you know it could have, they could have a game like that again but I think it's pretty easy to make the case that was the worst passing defense and probably overall defense that played this season. Yeah, and I'd say it was closer to the ceiling than the floor for this team. Now, that doesn't mean next year or two years oh, they can't be better, absolutely. but for this team, definitely ceiling, closer to the ceiling. Uh, Jake says Bruce Pearl knows the hammer's coming when he has two five-stars coming in and decides to self-impose probation. Uh, hope the NCAA looks through his fake town. I, I'm going to admit to actually kind of liking Bruce Pearl. Like, uh, it, he, he's great in press conferences, and I, I think he's kind of fun. I love watching his teams play, but I understand that's not a popular thing to say. Um, I, yeah, I think the best time to self-impose, like, a, a postseason ban is, like, when Missouri did it, you know, when they were, like, 6-16. Six and 16. They're like, it's cool. We won't play in the postseason this year. You know, we'll, we'll just ban ourselves from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I know. Yeah. The only, guys, the only team who noticed was like the. The only team who noticed was the 11 seed in the SEC because then they didn't have to play Wednesday night. They got a bye, right. Um, so I think, you know, a little bit more about these processes, I, I think, than I do. I mean, is the idea Auburn says, OK, we're going to volunteer this punishment please take this punishment and just stop looking around and trying to give us a harder punishment. Um, yeah, I mean, basically I think it's, you know, yeah, we, we know we're in trouble. Um, so we're going to, yeah, voluntarily do this to be like, look, we work and try to, we, uh, you know, yeah, take this, maybe not stop looking around, but take this off of our, uh, sentence you're going to give us basically. Like if you were going to give us a postseason ban, we'll just take it now when the team's not as good. And, you know, one of those five stars has eligibility issues and the tournament might not be played anyway. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, I'm not sure it'll work. I mean, I, I know, you know, Louisville voluntarily took a postseason ban a few years ago, um, and, and still got its national title taken away, which, uh, see it happen but that was a pretty big deal here so yeah i mean i don't know i'm not gonna predict what the ncaa is gonna do but that was the idea i would like to interject though like okay oklahoma state got hammered auburn is voluntarily giving its own punishment like if you're still out there and you think the ncaa is just gonna let kansas skate i i I really don't think that's gonna happen you know i mean something's gonna happen uh to the right yeah that's the yeah, that's the subject our uh, our audience cares more about. It. Yes, I think I think uh, yeah. I mean yeah. There's there's almost no way it's just going to be nothing for Kansas. Uh, I, I will it be enough to satisfy Missouri fans? Probably not because they're not getting the death penalty. But it will be significant. They will be allowed at some point to play another basketball game. Yes, so they will not be executed uh, on the I, I steps so. in Indianapolis. <laughs> so, uh, Drake, should we believe the Tillman hype or should we prepare for him to be in foul trouble consistently? I, I don't think there's necessary. I mean, they're posting some videos on Twitter, right? And I said somebody told me he played well in the scrimmage, but I don't think there's necessarily a ton of hype. He wasn't picked any all SEC teams or anything. I, I mean, Jeremiah has to go prove it. And he has to go prove it for like not against oral. I don't care if he has 27 and 15 against oral Roberts tomorrow. That doesn't prove anything. He has to prove it in sec games for a long period of time, like three or four weeks. And then, yeah, you might start to buy into, okay, he can stay on the floor and play consistent, be healthy and stay out of foul trouble and play consistently good basketball. But we're not going to know till like February. For sure. And there was, I mean, like, I don't know, he might be referring to press conference today. Like, Conzo, obviously, you know, he spoke highly of, of Jeremiah Tillman, talked about, you know, some of the steps he's made and all that. But he also spoke highly of every other player he was asked about. And, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on Ed Chang, but he spoke highly of Ed Chang as well. And, like, right. I don't know. Like, it's not, like, unreasonable that, you know, he's, like, trying to hype up these players to some un- unattainable degree. Um yeah, I mean, like, it, but yeah, the big thing with Jeremiah Tillman is obviously consistency. And, you know, we've heard before it how he's looked so 
great in practices and then it gets to a game. And Conzo even said this today, like, you know, he's a different player in practice versus a game when it gets to a game and, you know, the emotions kind of, you know, ramp up and, and you get into a competition and you've got, you know, people talking to you and stuff. It's a lot harder to, and you've got, you know, refs who know you as someone who fouls, let's face it. Like it's a lot harder to, you know, keep your cool or not get psyched out or not foul. So, I mean, that's going to be the, you know, the, the question that, you know, we still haven't had answered. Or to not flip the double bird at the TV camera, which is still my favorite Jeremiah Tillman <laughs> moment ever. I encourage him to do that. I, yeah, I encourage Amazing. him to do that again. That Amazing. was excellent. Uh, I, I actually call that, the, you probably won't get this reference, but some of the people watching might. I call that the Glenn Dandridge Award. Um, he was a kid who he was in like the Marshall Brown recruiting class, like 2005. And I mean, if you talk to people on that team, they would tell you like, I don't think I've ever seen him miss a three in practice. And then he got into games and he shot like 9%. I mean, they just never, ever went in. Uh, he had the prettiest shot I've ever seen. Just once the lights came on, he couldn't make them, you know? So, uh, yeah, but it, I'm rooting for one foul out so we can get the, the, uh, double barrel salute to SEC officiating and then, you know, let them stay in the rest of the games. That'd be fine. <laughs> All right. True has basketball rapid fire for us. Uh, okay. So we'll just do these one at a time. We will be not so rapid leading score. What do you think? Mitch? Well, I guess also. Oh, that, that question seems to have frozen Mitch. Oh, did you not oh, hear me? Now he's back. No, <laughs> I now, said Xavier. You, you were just staring at okay, me absently right. for like 10 seconds there. <laughs> now you're back. I went with Xavier Pinson. Xavier Pinson. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably right. Um, a part of me wants to say Mark Smith because he's going to shoot a lot of threes and I think he'll make more than he did last year. But Pinson probably makes more sense. Uh, biggest surprise to me is much harder because like we know who all these guys are. Who's going to surprise? I mean, like Jordan Wilmore is not going to come average a double double. You know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess my my pick for biggest surprise is uh, Drew Bugs, just because he's like kind of new and uh, we don't. I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to like fill up the stat sheet, but I think he'll play more than people expect. He'll probably. I mean, he might like lead the team in assists. Uh, um, I guess it's a pick. Uh, I mean. It's, I don't want to put that on someone uh, yeah, already I don't like before to the pick season biggest starts. Disappointment. Uh, maybe how maybe maybe Parker Brown just just because I know some of the expectations I've read for him on our message board are not attainable. But right. like for realistic people, he might not be a disappointment. He might in fact be a, like surprisingly good because he hasn't played much in the past, and maybe he will this year. Yeah. Who is the most important to a good season? Um, I, I'm going with Tillman. I still think he's the exact. Like he brings something that very few other teams in the SEC has when he's on. Yeah, no question. I agree with that. Biggest disappointment will be simple. I, I mean, if they don't make the tournament, which I, I think is definitely in play. I, I'm not I'm not sold this is a tournament team. I think there's a chance, but I'm just not sold on it. So um, we'll we'll hit a couple more here uh, real quick. We're coming up on an hour, and, and we'll probably cap it sometime right around there because, like, let's be honest, guys, it's, it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, it, we've been working all day. we got a lot of stuff we want to get done tomorrow so we can, can hang out uh, – with our families on Thursday and, uh, and, you know, get stuff done in advance for a busy week. Uh, but, uh, follow word wants to know, can we honestly judge Connor with the players and players out because of COVID-19 lack of explosive players and offensive linemen? I'm not sure you can really judge anybody this year. Right. I mean, it, like you might be able to see, okay. Kyle Trask. Yes, I can judge. He's having a hell of a year and he's going to be a really good player, but no, I don't, I don't draw any final conclusions on Connor Bazelak or anybody else on this team off this year. No, hopefully that's not the, you know, interpretation we gave earlier. I mean, like, you know, we, we weren't saying like, you know, he can't get back to the LSU performance or anything like that. Like, yeah, he has dealt with a lot, you know, he's had a lot of games with, uh, you know, rotating casts of receivers. He's had two starting offensive linemen out for each of the past two games. Um, and also he's, he just didn't really get much time to practice with the team and learn the offense this off season. And he started so, five Yeah, I games. mean, like, there, uh, you know, you expect, yeah, exactly. You expect any redshirt freshman who is still going to be a redshirt freshman next year to improve. Like, and, But I think him especially because he's never really had like a full offseason with this team. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so last one, at least that I see for now, Jake wants to know, is it possible for Mizzou football to get back to the 85 scholarship limit next year, even with putting York, Boo Smith, and Looper on scholarship? It would be very, very difficult, I think. They are, as of this morning, I think they were at seven. I forget if it was 73 or 74. Um, it, you know, so even adding three guys, I mean, I don't know that they can take 29 signees. Uh, I don't know if they can do the scholarship gymnastics. I think it's a two-year process to get back to 85. I think you're hoping to get to high 70s, maybe 80 this year, and then 85 next year. Um, yeah. And like of those, that 73, 74, you mentioned, um, that includes a few opt outs who are, may not, be let's back. face it, may not come back and other guys who are going to transfer, like you're going to have some, some roster attrition. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't think they can also, I, I'm curious. I think this might, this Jake B might actually be Jake Bresky from the football staff asking us to give us his <laughs> advice. Cause he knows we're so good at our jobs that we I, can be of, of value to the football program. I hope it is. I hope it is. Um, so, I want to ask you guys to do a few things before uh, before we sign off here. First of all, once again, check out 573tees.com. Uh, pick up just a couple of stocking stuffers, Christmas gifts for, for your kids, your husband, your wife, whatever. They've got some good stuff there. Um, so please go uh, help small businesses in this time, but especially the small businesses that have helped us out. So, uh, my wife and I are trying to do a lot of our shopping locally this year. So hope, hope you guys will do the same and check out 573tees.com. Uh, shout out to Paul Burkhart who gave us some new graphics. Uh, he put us in little boxes in the show, which I, I think is, makes it look very professional. It makes it look like I'm not just throwing this together with, you know, duct tape and my home office, which also serves in a, as the guest bedroom in my house. So, um, but a, appreciate that. Um, appreciate all you guys being here before you end up leaving, you know, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Um, I will be back at what time do they play? Eleven o'clock on Saturday. Is that right? Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so we will start football pregame at nine fifteen on Saturday morning, and I believe somebody else somebody had asked uh, if we were going to be doing uh, you know game day stuff for basketball. We're not doing it for Oral Roberts. Um, you know, we're not doing it for some of these smaller non conference games. The current plan is that we're going to do a pregame and a postgame show for bragging rights and for all the SEC games. We probably won't do the in game watch along, but we we will do a pregame and postgame. Uh, you know, one of us will, will be covering games. Mitchell usually probably will actually be there at the home games. Then road games will, will do a little bit differently, but he'll still be on post game zooms and things like that. Um, and so I'm planning pregame and postgame, but not for oral Roberts, um, because I'm an excellent humanitarian. I said, Mitchell could go back to, uh, Louisville for Thanksgiving and I would cover my first life sporting event in eight and a half months tomorrow. So, I, I heard Mitch. That get, was much appreciated. Yeah, we, we get uh, we get that, concession stand. That was stand. much appreciated. Boss of the year. Yeah, there you go. We get concession stand vouchers at Mizzou right. Arena this year, so I'm very much looking forward to that. That's, that's actually like a huge upgrade. I'm that's I'm jealous. I'm I'm looking okay. forward to going and getting some Lions choice or something when I cover a game. I'm going to have to I'm, I'm going to be pulling a Schiffer tweeting about my dipping Dots at halftime. Uh, so, uh, get some plain vanilla. He goes to the Andy stand and gets plain vanilla. It's terrible. Come on, Schiff. Um, all right. So, uh, look, sit around, enjoy your families uh, as much as you can this time of year. Eat too much, drink too much, watch too much football. Hang out with us a little bit. Basketball tomorrow night, football Saturday. We'll have stuff in between then. Uh, but thanks for checking it out. Uh, Mitch, I'm sure we will probably see each other on the internet again pretty soon. But uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody down there. Yeah, thanks. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Everyone is watching.